Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This episode contains intense emotions. It's a late night recording for me tonight, so we've changed daytime birds to more nocturnal sounds. Crickets and birds that have woken up. When it comes down to it, music is all about emotion. In great music, the writer has somehow managed to translate raw feelings and emotion into sound and has written it down. And then those sounds rekindle or stir up the same feelings and emotions in us, the listener. Sometimes several hundred years between the writing and the hearing. When you put music like that, it's pretty miraculous, isn't it? One of the best composers, in terms of channeling their emotions into your ears and straight to your heart, is Tchaikovsky. Previously on Cacophony, we've listened to music from his ballets, Swan Lake and Nutcracker, music that shows off his ability to produce great tune after great tune. And now we're turning to one of his finest symphonies, his fourth. That has great tunes too, and packs a mighty emotional punch at the same time. It's a 40-plus minute piece, so we're going to take two episodes over it. Musically, I think of Piotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky as a kind of east-west bridge. In the second half of the 19th century, many Russian composers, Tchaikovsky's friends, were deliberately trying to forge a distinctive Russian sound world and use more Russian formats, ignoring what they saw as the Western symphonic style and the structures and classical music rules, almost, that go with it. But Tchaikovsky came from cosmopolitan St. Petersburg, and he writes, here at least, the symphony that stands up to those Western critics with rigorous views on form, that still manages to sound distinctly Russian. He's sort of Russian enough and Western enough to be popular everywhere, and unlike most composers, his music's never been out of fashion. But, like many a popular composer, it's not universal popularity. And as so often, it was influential people from within the music world who found things to complain about in Tchaikovsky's music. Fascinatingly, it seems that it was the famous trial in London of Oscar Wilde for gross indecency, a result of his homosexuality, that led to a change in attitude to Tchaikovsky's music. Tchaikovsky, who'd died in Russia in 1893, two years before the trial, had been gay, and suddenly this was an issue, and his music was characterised as sentimental, over the top, too emotional, weak even. And it's a reputation that stuck, despite the music sounding very different. The biographers and writers, even filmmakers, have obsessed over Tchaikovsky's sexuality, some giving it maximum emphasis, some downplaying it, sometimes outright denying it, or redacting the evidence, as in the case of the Russian authorities for long periods. Writers ask, did his sexuality drive him to suicide? We don't even know if he did commit suicide, but we'll leave his death for another time. Recently, previously censored letters have been declassified, and now we know for sure just where Tchaikovsky's sexual preferences lay. All of this, ultimately, is about trying to understand his music and what drives it. The latest research suggests that being gay in late 19th century Russia was much less unacceptable than in, say, late Victorian England. Though illegal, 
it was only really a problem for you if you were in the military. Was Tchaikovsky tormented by his sexuality? Did it fuel what he wrote musically? Well, yes, and yes. But not all of the time, and that wasn't the only thing that went into his music. Was he passionate, and did those passions find their way into his music? Absolutely. In 1877, fairly suddenly, and following a breakup with a boyfriend, for a variety of reasons to do with family standing, expectations, reputation, and the need he felt at least to appear to be straight, Tchaikovsky decided he should marry. On the subsequent marriage, to a former student who happened to write lovingly to him at just that moment, the writers are unanimous. They all reach for one of two words. Disaster and catastrophe. The marriage lasted ten weeks. Tchaikovsky realised he'd made a dreadful mistake. He fell into a deep depression and ultimately left the country for extended travel where he cut a solitary figure. It was on his travels that he finished his fourth symphony, begun as he wrestled with the idea of getting married. He had to write to a friend to have the sketches, what he'd written so far, sent to him in Switzerland. The finished piece grabs you from the get-go. horn fanfare and the rhythm are a bit of a nod in the direction of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. That's perhaps the most famous opening of any piece of classical music, any piece of music. Beethoven called it fate knocking at the door. Is it fate this time too? If it is, those trombones suggest it's bringing us down. There was a second major woman in Tchaikovsky's life, and this was Nadezhda von Meck, the widow of a major railway magnate and Tchaikovsky's patron. She gave him an annual allowance that enabled him to live as a composer without having to teach, or perform, or do any other work. He dedicated the Fourth Symphony to her, and in a letter she asked him what it was about. Regular listeners to Cacophony will know that most composers like their symphonies to remain purely abstract, that hints and tips to any possible story somehow sully the art. Tchaikovsky responded as you'd expect, saying that under normal circumstances he'd say, my answer is none. How can one put into words the intangible sensations which one experiences when writing? This is a purely lyrical process. This is fundamentally an unburdening of the soul in music, with its essence distilled into sounds in the same manner in which a lyrical poet expresses himself in verse. The only difference is that music has much more powerful means and a more subtle language 
with which to express thousands of different emotions and frames of mind. So there you go, that's your answer. But then Tchaikovsky went on. In our symphony, it is possible to express in words what it is trying to say. And to you, and to you only, I'm able and willing to explain the meaning. And of course, I'm now reading to you from this private letter, which survives. Sorry, Tchaikovsky. That opening, he confirms, is fate. This is fate. This is that fateful force which prevents the impulse to happiness from attaining its goal, which jealously ensures that peace and happiness shall not be complete and unclouded, which hangs above the head like the sword of Damocles, unwaveringly, constantly poisoning the soul. It is an invincible force that can never be overcome, merely endured, hopelessly. He writes at length in this vein, complete with written-out examples of the music, telling of bleak and hopeless feelings. Sweet dreams appearing out of nowhere. gradually envelop the soul until everything gloomy and joyless is forgotten. Here it is. Here it is. Happiness. But no, these were daydreams and fate wakes us up from them. And thus, all life is an unbroken alternation of harsh reality with fleeting dreams and visions of happiness. No haven exists. Drift upon that sea until it engulfs and submerges you in its depths. That, roughly, is the programme of the first movement. Crumbs. It's pretty much musically, exactly as Tchaikovsky describes. He's a master at writing for the orchestra. He conjures up a world of swirling torment. And he knows how to pile it up and then release, or when to turn the screw harder. I love the way when the happy tune gets going, it has these quiet timpani beats that at first just support the melody, then gradually become increasingly prominent as things gather momentum and volume. And maybe my favourite thing, perhaps in the whole symphony, is the way he really cleverly shifts the tune ever so slightly away from the first beat of the bar. You don't notice it happen which means that it's a visceral shock when fate crashes back in. So now forget Tchaikovsky's programme, because it was of course private correspondence, and make your own mind up. Click on the link in the show notes to have a listen to the first movement of Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 4, or listen to the next episode for my thoughts on the rest, and listen to the music in one hit. Please remember that I need your support and feedback, so please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and rate it or review it. It would be fab to receive a comment. Do you like this? How does it make you feel? Let me know at cacophonyonline.com or Facebook or Twitter. If you really like Cacophony, you can support it with hard cash by clicking on the link to buy me a coffee. Most importantly, come back for more Tchaikovsky next time, and thanks for listening. <laughs>